That L Word Podcast. Do you need the leadership work? Can you even love? A podcast about leadership and everything that people are afraid to say out loud. Do you love yourself? Because if you ain't leading yourself, how can you lead a multi-million dollar corporation? All right, Morgan, welcome back to another exciting episode of That L Word. Another exciting, because they, yes, they all are exciting. Um, and we are excited to be excited. Excited to be excited. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm excited? I'm, what I'm most excited about, it, we th- we're going to talk about servant leadership. You was, described it to me in a different way. And he was like, servant leadership. I was like, boom, I got it. I'm doing it for others. Right. And so many people miss that. So many people miss. Um, I like the analogy that you just shared. And I want you to kind of give me a little bit more background on it. As, um, you know, as we are in organizations that are creating something or providing something to the public or other businesses, we think that our customer my like my customer is that the 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 people but really as a leader the people that i need to be worried about or is this my team those those are my customers one of the questions i ask in groups one of the first questions i ask is who's your customer and if i'm sitting with a group of c-suite folks and i say who are your customers 99 percent of the time they're going to tell me who the customers of their organization are and when I explain the concept, and not that servant leadership is definitely one of those things that people have heard about, they know the term, but when you ask them to break it down and define it, they often can't, or they'll say things like, it means I'm here for my people, which it is. But when you ask somebody point blank, who are your customers, and they don't tell you that the customers are the people that they are directly leading, then I question whether or not they know what real servant leadership is. Well, with that, I like you said, I kind of disagree at the first part of it because I don't think people know what servant everybody knows what servant leadership is. I don't I think it's a lot of people that um are missing are missing that the concept and not even the wording. No, I mean it was a buzzword for a while. It was yeah, one of those things yeah, like, okay, you okay. know, it was a buzzword for a while. I don't I, mean, I don't it, So it's they almost know the like buzzword. Calling, it's almost calling yourself a leader in general, but you're really a manager or or supervisor. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's, I guess my point is, you know, these groups of people will say, oh, we're servant leaders. But then when you ask them to define it, they can't. Or you give them a question where they could clearly answer that they understood what servant leadership is. They don't usually answer it in a way where they are serving the people that they're supposed to be serving. Mm-hmm. I, I know there's a, you know, you hear a lot of, <laughs> um, you go to award ceremonies and things like this, and, and, and you'll hear people say the cliche thing. It, it it wasn't the work I did; it's the work you did, right? And what I what I didn't like about that because a lot of people didn't really believe that, right? They they wanted the praise; they just were they wanted to be cliche or just fit the mold and say, "Let me give it to them" because that's what everybody else does. But servant leadership is not about when it's convenient for you. <laughs> servant leadership is probably more inconvenient than it is anything because you're not always doing what you want to do you're doing what's best for the people that you're serving and that's the def you know if you break it down and first talk about service <clears throat> right the definition of service in my definition of service is is doing for others beyond yourself so we served in the military and you're doing a lot of things for other people or the nation or however you want to look at it that you might not necessarily be benefiting from or that you're having to get out of your comfort zone you know, and the military is a great and very easy example because you're moving away from your hometown, you're moving all over the place, you're having to move your family around, 
you're doing things that you might not necessarily choose to do, but you're serving, you're doing things that are outside of your comfort zone or things that are not self-serving. You're serving others. How do you, how do you look at service? I look at it as like, Oh, somebody said it earlier today. It was, um, it was like a res- it was a responsibility, right? Um, and I look at service leadership as uh, as a privilege, right? It's a privilege to to be a part of somebody else's world. It's a privilege to be uh, able to impart knowledge to other people. It's a privilege um, to to sit in a place where someone is willing to hear what you have to say, so they can grow, right? And a lot, of, I think we over. People, we leaders overlook that piece. Like it's not, we get so caught up when it's serving leadership. We get so um, caught up in in a sense where we think we want the position, the position, position. Like we get so, oh yeah, I'm here, I'm here, I made the billet, I made the the job title, and I have this new the new acronyms under my name and stuff like that. But a servant leader is like they're excited that they get to impart knowledge to people they're part they're they're inside that they're able to give back to to a place where they might have been in, in at, at one point right and, and I'll, i'm a firm believer that because if it wasn't for a whole lot of people that were serving leaders i would not be who i am right they took care of me not the mission not anything else not the product they said what does morgan need and that's what i'm going to give him yeah because if you take care of your people your people will take care of what the organization is trying to do and I think for me as a servant leader, expanding, I'm thinking of like geography. You're expanding, you know, you might have initially a small team, right? So I don't know why, but the game risk came to mind, right? So I've got one country mm-hmm. that I'm in. And then as I climb further up the food chain, now I've got two countries and I've got three countries and my sphere of influence is expanding. And those are the people that I'm able to then serve and build an environment where they can can be awesome and be amazing and do what they do best. And by serving them, I'm creating that's the service piece to me is creating the environment for them to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's that's hard for people to do because when you when you you can't be selfish. Right. <laughs> you can't be selfish. And um sometimes we we look at it if you use the word servant, like some people like to hone in on certain words, mm-hmm. servant leadership. Well, I'm not serving them. Like they're supposed to be serving me, or because they they look at it as like uh, it's it's a privilege for them to have you, not the other way around, right? But that's totally one hundred uh, percent not the case. Uh, you have to be like really giving. You have to be compassionate. You have to be empathetic. You have to love. Yeah. Right? You have to do all those things, the things that we, on many occasions, think we shouldn't be doing. And it's weird because, and if you look at the way, like, you know, we've grown up, as we have, like, evolved as a society, like, 10, 15, I mean, when I joined the Marine Corps in 1998, wasn't nobody talking about loving Marines? Right, yeah. <laughs> loving sailors yeah, like yeah. They, they would think you was something was wrong with you. Like this is not the place for you. You need to leave. But as we have evolved, we've understand that that compassion, that that emotional connection with each other, 
is the very thing that makes us so awesome, so so dangerous to other other organizations, right? And if we choose to look at it in a way that brings value instead of a way that it um it detracts it, you know, the the serving part, we can do so much more with that. We can do so much more with understanding that to give is more valuable than receiving, right? And that's the whole point about the serving piece. Yeah, and I think, you know, back back in the day when we were coming up, and people didn't want to— You wanna, go way back, further back. That I do go a little further back, <laughs> but they don't want to—maybe they weren't saying the words love or they weren't speaking in the same way that we do today. Mm-hmm. But I do—I at least look back on my career, and there are definitely people that I can identify that were servant leaders— just in a, the that generation's version of servant leader or that time period's version of servant leader because they were still creating an environment where I could grow. They were still creating an environment where I had the resources that I needed to be better, to, to get trained, you know, to, to fulfill, like, my goals. They might have done it with a different language. There might have been more tough love back then. Right, there was probably a you lot said more. Little, I said little, yeah, yeah. little bit was an understatement. It was a whole lot more. It was like it was like the more pain they caused in your life was the the more it was literally the way we define showing love. Yeah. Which is high. Right. <laughs> yeah. Something crazy as hell. You know, that's how brainwashed we were. But like that's the the worst, the worst the the treatment was, it was like, and no wonder we all messed up sometimes, man. I just thought about that like in the, in the moment. Like we literally we're taught the total opposite. But so then how do we end up where we are? That's a great question. How do we end up in a place where we can sit on a podcast and talk about loving your people if we were raised in a in a tough love environment? We ain't supposed to have a lot of silence on the podcast, but I don't need time to think. <laughs> That's a that is a huge question. Like how, where where did the transformation take place? Yeah. I think for me, it was the end. It had to be an individual, individual person, or a moment. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I could point a finger to any one person, but I think the the further up the food chain I got as a leader and saw the mm. the influence, you know, and saw the responsibility and accountability I had for more, the more I realized it's almost like having an individual patient. You know, I'm responsible for that person. So the more I saw that I was responsible for more and more people, the more I kind of had to take a step back and ask myself, what was I doing to help them along? It's like the love analogy, right? People like, you don't just, you don't just, you're not just in love. Like, oh, I'm in love today. Mm -hmm. This is the day it happens. It's a process and a chain of events that occur that one day you realize I love you or I love this. And I think the same, that's how we developed. That's how we got to this point where we kept getting, we kept getting um, small seeds planted, interjections in life and people where we were open enough to be presented with our own feelings. And then we started to explore those. And so we, we okay, we learn from this situation. Then we take it to the next situation. We go to the next situation. And I think the, I think as I think about it right now, the biggest part for me is when I when Marines started to tell me, they started to tell me they knew that that I cared. 
Mm-hmm. And that's all I wanted when I was young. I was home and a, and a young Marine. I wanted to show, I wanted somebody to, to treat me like I was valued, that I was needed, that I was appreciated. So that was your positive reinforcement. Yeah. The positive reinforcement from your With people. somebody else. Yeah, and I think that's true because oh, I, I felt the man. same where the first time somebody comes back and says, do you remember when you said this to me? And you're like, no. <laughs> but what they're telling you is you had a huge impact right. on whatever it was they were trying right. to accomplish. That's definitely, that's definitely a big moment, I think. Well, you wonder what they, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like, where you impart so much knowledge, but it's these small, like, as I think of it right now, it's those small pieces or those moments with these other people that I overlooked and not knowing that they were creating something within me. And, and back to your earlier point of, mm-hmm. of kind of the, the maturation of love, right? How you weren't just all of a sudden in love. It, it built. Yeah, you, yeah you're like, and, it's like filling the cup. It's a little bit at a time, right? And, and in doing that, you're going to spill some too. So it's not all positive. There's negative, and we've talked about this before, there's negative moments in my career that I learned just as much from, from a, a toxic or a poor leader, and thought to myself, I don't want to be I that person. That. <laughs> and, and those might have even filled my cup more, because then when I was responsible for people, I didn't want to do to them what had well, been done that's to what me. I, well, exactly the, the, that part, because that's why... I am such a good coach, and I do believe I am a good coach because I compared it to, I do, like, I've always been, like, a, a student of, like, how coaches treat clients and, and work with athletes, and, okay, and I'm a firm believer of, like, I need to do what other people are not doing, right? And so I took all, you know, I remember, you know, as I started to develop my coaching and things like that and my leadership, I started to really hone in on those things that, weren't valuable to people that coaches were doing. Like, you know, it could be a lack of communication. It was not meeting them where they are or having expectations. Sometimes you don't want to have expectations. You want the relationship to be a little bit more fluid. And I started to take those things that um, people didn't like, and I created my coaching style based off what other coaches weren't doing right. Mm -hmm. Right? And I took that and I started to listen to people. And I started to actually, you know, develop my compassion and my empathy for them and actually celebrating. I mean, how many, I mean, any, any coaching genre, you know, sometimes like, oh, this is, this is all business. This is all business. But like, I started to say like, you know, happy birthday, something that simple that, that it, or how is your family doing? You know, meeting people where they are and valuing the things that they value made me who I am. So that is a fantastic example that we can peel a thread on when it comes to who are your customers. So you were actually given a great uh, description of servant leadership to your individual clients, which are your customers. But in turn, if you think about this, let's say they weren't, let's say you were the CEO and they were, you know, the rest of the C-suite or your director level people. Mm -hmm. If you're having those same conversations with them and treating them like your individual customers, they're going to be in a better place and then turn around and model that and do that with the people that are reporting to them. And even your clients, you're, you're serving them, they're your customers, but you're providing them a model of what they can then turn around and then mod, uh, do either with their family or mm-hmm. in the workplace. So when I think and when I ask who are your customers, when I ask that question, 
in the servant leadership conversation, right. I'm imagining a Christmas tree. You know, you've got the leader who's at the very top of the Christmas tree who really only has two or three branches touching them. Their customers are those two or three branches. They're immediate customers. Right. If they're serving them well, then those two or three branches are going to serve the two or three branches that each one of them have. And exponentially, it, you know, it kind of fans out. So really, the, the, the top of the Christmas tree is serving everybody else by directly serving the people that are actually so, their customers. So, this, well, will it get, so would that service be diluted over time? You know, that, especially when you have large organizations, right? It's easy to say if we got 10 people that, you know, through the grapevine, the information won't change. Sure. But like, what, what happens when you have these large organizations? Like, what is the best way? Because that's where you see it. That's where you see it, even in, in military or in the corporate world. Uh, the, the larger, I've heard a thing where, you know, if the, any organization that gets uh, beyond 150, then it starts to have a little bit more issues. It needs to structure, it needs to change. So what does that structure look like if you have this large 200 or 50 person um, organization and you do, you're touching two or three of those people. How can you ensure that your intent resonates through the whole organization? Several things there. A, culture. Culture versus communication. And often those two, especially in a toxic environment, are in direct opposition, which is what's causing the toxicity. But if, in my opinion, the, the leader that's a, a servant leader, you're right. If, if we played the telephone game in an organization of 10,000 people and the leader says something and you go and ask somebody at the ground level what was said, it will probably be diluted. Or not even, it may not, in a lot of cases, doesn't even make it there. Right, for sure. So that piece, mm -hmm. I would agree, can be diluted. But really what I'm talking about with servant leadership is how are you treating people? That is usually conveyed in a much more direct and, um, uh, I don't know, like a replicating way. Mm -hmm. If I treat you well, you're more likely to turn around and treat the people it's in like your direction. It's like the commercial team. where you see the guy, help the lady across the street, and somebody else sees him, and then they open the door for the other person. It's like, you know, they, they pay it forward. They continue to pay it forward because they see the action. And so that's yeah. the culture maybe that the leader is, the leader is trying to instill a culture of servant leadership, which is, you're serving the people that are on your team and you're treating them the best that you possibly can. And if you do that, in general, you'll see the communication will increase mm -hmm. because then people are not afraid to say what's on their mind, pull people in for a conversation, or just ask, hey, how was your kid's soccer game this weekend? Because I really care about you as a person and I want to know what's going on in your life because maybe today you need me to tell you, hey, I, I see stuff's going on, like go home, take a day off. So there will be those that challenge that, though. Absolutely. Right, in the sense where it's like, we're here to work, mm -hmm. not to get to know people. How do you, how do you, you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you have the leaders, like, I'm here to, to run this company to, no, I'm, I don't care about how their kids are doing. And the, like, I hope they don't say that out loud, because as soon as you say that, like, the work productivity is probably going to go down. And that's what I was, <laughs> I was going to bring that up. Would you rather have somebody on your team who is in that, like, we're here to work type of mentality? Right. They come in, they do the job, but they're not doing anything else. They're just sitting there. They're glazed over. They're not creative. They're probably not being as productive as somebody who feels valued and wants to be there. There's a difference, and I know we've said this before, between waking up and thinking, I get to go to work and I have to go to work. 
And when you wake up excited to go in because you feel like you're a part of that family. And I I saw somebody the other day posted something about um, how they didn't agree with work family, you know, it of, mm. of saying like, Hey, we're a family. You spend more time at work than you do at home. You like, that's the, that's what people don't uh, understand. If you do the math and if you take out, you take a 24 hour day and you take out like no sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Take, it doesn't take, count. Out, take out the sleep, man. And then measure compared to the amount of time you spend with your family to com- compared to the people you actually work with daily. If and if that's how you live in, if you're living in a place where you're not con- you're not connected with people, over majority of the time, you probably ain't connecting at home either. You probably got other relationship issues that you're dealing with because you're you're not being realistic to understand that people that I'm with most of the time, I need to learn how to treat them. I need to be there for them, and then everything else is just extra. And it's when you were saying all that, I was thinking to myself, "Are you a servant leader at home?" And if I, I think you're absolutely right. If I'm serving my family and and trying to be a servant leader or, um, you know, our definition of service, which is being there for others, and I'm doing that at home, and I want to do that at work, then why would I not consider the team at work a family? It, but it's hard. Like for me, it was, I don't know how much, I guess I'll just say it. Um, I didn't grow up with that. You know me? I didn't grow up, like my, and not any fault of my mother's, but she was a single parent at that time. And so she couldn't be there to like teach me a lot of stuff, which is okay. Like mm-hmm. okay, I turned out great because of her tenacity and grit, and I learned other things from her. But I didn't see. I, you know, some people don't see the service, right? Like before, when I was younger, probably in my thirties, I was kind of angry at her because she wasn't there because I expected her to be home because that's what I was watching on TV, right? Right, but. And then we get we get we get like so caught up in what society believes and thinks that we start to try to like say our lives should look the exact same way. Our company should look the exact like that person saying like some they've heard that somewhere else. They were right. taught that by somebody else. And so, but I, what I had to do is step back and say, just because it's not being given the way I think it should be, doesn't mean it is not being given. And so I started. I had to realize that I was getting. That servant, that servant leadership from my mother, that servant leadership from my grandmother, my father. Like I was getting it from them. It just didn't look the same as everybody else's. And that moment it actually helped me in the relationships with them. I'm not gonna lie. I'm it sure. In relationships with them. And I think that at when you have relationships at work, when you realize what people are doing for you, right? Even that person that said, you know, oh no, no, no leadership in family, or that's not your family. If you realize the people that probably helped you get where you are, there was some they were giving to you, they were being service to you. You just overlook because you think it's just, oh, this is professional, this is what it is. But if we went to like by by the book, if we were like, this is only business, right? You may not have made it to where you are because what we forget is serving leadership is a part of being human, right? Human is part of using emotions. And if you take that part out of everything that we do, there's a lot of things that happen a whole lot differently. And I think if you're a servant, a real servant leader, you're more likely to have a difficult conversation with somebody in the office than you are mm-hmm. if you don't consider them family. <laughs> if I think somebody in my family is doing something that I don't agree we're gonna with, have a we're going to have a conversation. <laughs> but how many leaders are afraid to have a conversation with somebody in the office? 
fifty percent of them. At I'm least, at least, yeah, at least, least right? Fifty percent. They're like, uh, they, you know, even the young leaders come to you like, you know, this is such happens. And the first question I'm asking is, you talk to them. And and if you, <laughs> yeah, why you come, If you ain't talk to them, I can't even help you. That's right. And so if you love your people like you love your family, and on a different level to some degree, sure, but because there's different levels of love. But if if you care enough about them to have that conversation with them, that's how people are going to grow, which, again, is a part of servant leadership, just like it is with your family. You want your kids to grow. You want them to have a great education and a great environment to grow up in and all those things. Do you not want that same stuff for the people at work? They, <laughs> it it sounds so simple. I know, I know. Well, and you know, you were talking a little it sounds bit. Sounds so simple. I I told you know I obviously we sit here because we agree, mm-hmm. right? But we we're talking to the people that either don't know or don't agree, or or think they they have their own version of it, and and There's really no own version. It's only, and they would argue that this is my version, but this is I always tell me this is not Morgan's way. Like, this is life. Like, in, the truth doesn't change. If you say it, Jody, if I say it, if they say it, the truth is the truth, right? And servant leadership is only servant leadership. Leadership is influential. It's, it's about being about the team. Servant is helping. It's it's empowering, right? These words have meaning. And if you use the words correctly and you define them correctly, then what you're saying is you're – you're creating something that is not per, per definition. Right. But I think there's, I guess my point is there's a lot of people out there that are, they think they're being servant leaders. Again, back to the buzzwords. They're saying that, but they're not, they're not really embodying that. So what would you say to somebody or how, how could we open someone's mind questions to ask of whether or not you're really being a servant leader and goes back to my initial question is who are your customers? Yeah, you I'm start about, I just there. about to say, who are you doing it for? That's right. <laughs> who are your customers? And a lot of time, guess what? They, this is one people that, that I think that a lot of people would agree, and some people may even overlook, is that we are, we're talking about server leaders. You know, they may think that the, the that fifth or sixth level removed is their customer, but really, it's that immediate person is their customer. But go even deeper, and, and maybe they just serve in themselves, like in a positive or a negative way. Of uh, well, obviously they think it's positive, right? Yeah, <laughs> but that's what I said. We talk about the the the, the misconceptions of mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm a servant because, but I have to give to myself so they can get it. But like, it would, like it's, a, it's a quote I always say that my uh, uh, mentor Johnny Bernardo told me: when you do it for the people, everything will work itself out. Right. I I think that's probably the best definition of servant leadership. <laughs> if you were to just capture it in in you know one sentence, mm-hmm. that captures it all, because everything you're doing is for the people. And if the people are taken care of, then everything else is going to work itself. Because the people take care of you. That's right. The people take care of everything else. And this is I don't really like talking about military stuff, um, but I'm gonna talk about it now. Uh, I, I you know people. Yes, we are. We did retire. We were in the military, but like I try to. Keep this more, you know, personal, um, professional relationship type stuff. But one concept the Marine Corps has is um, the two rules, right? And it goes uh, mission accomplishment um, and then uh, troop welfare. And 
the primary one is mission accomplishment. It puts the mission before everyone else. I never liked that, ever, actually. Because my argument was, okay, we put, you know, the people second. Ain't the people doing the job? Like, ain't aren't they the ones making sure the mission is successful? So if we're focusing only on the mission, we're forgetting about the people. Ah, I just asked the wrong question. That's why we have a big-ass disconnect in the military. <laughs> There's a disconnect there. What right? is it? Where we, like, I just, I was as I was saying that, I'm like, okay, why are we focusing on the mission and not the people? But the reason why we have so many mental issues, emotional issues, as a, as a service that we don't address enough, I'll say that, is because we're focusing on the things that, the, what we want the outcome, not the people that are creating the process. And we say we do, but I, uh, or they say they do, but I think this is more of a check in the box. And I'm not sure how old that saying is, you know, you know, mission first, people second, but it may have been just some old information where it was, we didn't have the understanding that we have about leadership as we do now, right? And if we could actually understand and put, and, and we, we're struggling with this, especially as old heads, the people that, are, that have been in for a while, because it's mission, mission, mission. And mm-hmm. it's everything is about the mission. Now you have this new generation that's coming in and saying, no, it's about us. It's about us. Right? And so there's the, that's the disconnect. Like, we're, we have these multiple generations saying two different things. So what is it? Which one is more effective? I will agree that the, this thing, I'm about to say this out loud, the GM Marines are correct. But I think, you know, it's the, the military is a melting pot, always has been, always will be, and that's what I love about it. You've got people from all different places coming together. The same, the mm-hmm. same way you have people from all different generations coming together. Mm-hmm. So those of us that are, you know, were the old people behind the desk uh, before we got out, we should be learning as much from the younger generation coming in as they are from but us. But we know that's not the case. We should be. That's well, the key word. It, it kind of mm. depends. And, and the only thing I would counter you with Can't is... Can't tell some people shit. Right. But it, it depends on the organization <laughs> because I've been in some organizations that really do put their people first. And just like on the outside, those are the organizations that are thriving and are crushing it and always accomplish the mission as opposed to the organizations that are putting the mission first, doing more of that dictatorial type of leadership. The climate and, of the organization. And yeah, they are not yeah. the ones that are accomplishing the mission. And so if you were to sit back and say, who's more successful, regardless of whether you're talking about the military or talking about corporate America, in general, the organizations that are more successful are the ones that put their people first. I agree. Why can't we all just be that way? Because of the way people, the way people come up. And, you said something earlier when you were talking about your past, and it made me think, you know, uh, the whole uh, what got you here won't get you there. And, and that works in two ways. So even if you were led in a very poor way or certain things happened to you, you know, as you were growing up as a young leader, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean, you know, you're not going to be able to drive the car forward by constantly looking in the rearview mirror. You have to look through the windshield. And at some point, every person, whether it's in leadership, relationships, whatever it is, you've got to quit looking in the rearview mirror at what happened to you and and look through the the windshield and grow from that. And I think that's also a part of servant leadership is letting go, you know, pulling the good things along and then letting go anything that was negative to make things better. That adds that, but that 
that is, that's solid because that adds to what you were saying. It's like we need to learn from the because what's what's forward is the new generation, right? What's coming up is that's the new generation. What we our beliefs is, is the old information. That's rearview mirror. That's rearview mirror, right? And so if we have the ability to like look at our generation and learn from them, and that doesn't mean they got it all figured out, but it's the key is be we're we should be in, in we should be intelligent enough to be able to um, what you uh, pull out some of the concepts that they're presenting to us and actually use the old man behind or old lady behind the, the desk to actually implement them into a, in, in a larger standpoint or create panels and committees that, that give us a different level of information. They do it with DEI, especially these days. They do it with DEI. They create committees now uh, for and within organizations where, okay, I think this way. I've been doing it this way for 20 years. But now let's make sure we get the new generation. Let's put about, you know, six to eight people on this this committee and let's talk let, let me run this idea and see how it will affect everyone now. Right. And then th- and that's the one of the ways you can kind of like put into perspective where your mind is and where the the, the generation and new society. And if you're in business, I mean if you're looking at it in, a, in an infinite way, then you you have to let go of the past because if the future is changing and you don't keep up and you can't stay attuned with the people that are creating our new future, well, and, you're going to go down. I mean, I mean, the, the business is obviously going to speak for itself. Let's look at Blockbuster. <clears throat> yeah. Right? They continue to try to sell or rent VHS tapes when the market, their customers, Did, were clearly telling them, yeah. we want you know DVDs, and then it was digital stuff. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they were not willing to... To budge on that. And that. Now just put that same template on top of your people. So the generation we grew up in was tough love. The generation that's coming up now needs to... Love needs everyone. To. Love yourself. So <laughs> do, do we as leaders want to go the way of Blockbuster? Or do we want to adapt to the new market, to our new customers, and, and lead them... I want to be a, Netflix. <laughs> but that's the point. Yeah, I wanna, right? I do not want to be Blockbuster... I mean, so I think service servant leadership has to be adaptable and dynamic. You can't say I've got it right. I'm I'm a good servant leader and stick in those ways. You are constantly evolving and changing. You have to adapt with with things as they change. That's a part of servant leadership, customer service, whatever you want to look at. But that's the we talk about servant leadership. It's talk about growth. Um, I remember the. It was it was a series of events that happened within my career that kind of showed me servant leadership. It was one where I had a uh, one of my um, bosses. They told me like you got to learn to love. You got to learn to love. Like he literally said it that way, and I was like, "This is weird, mm-hmm. right?" I was young too. He's like, "Learn to love." No, hell no. You do what I say. That's that's you know because that's the culture that kind of I kind of grew up in. He said, "No, if you want to be effective, you got to learn to love." And then like. Um, Man, maybe you know, five ten years later, uh, I went to another uh, duty station, and it was a um, a colonel, and he actually hit. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but he had an acronym for love, and I was like, "Why everybody keep talking about love?" And these dudes are old, it's yeah. gray hair. Like, what are y'all talking? It was weird, and like I remember, like you know, after meetings, like what, like what the hell are they talking about? Like they he on something else. Like, is he okay? And then you started to. You started to realize that 
your your connection with people is a level of love. And and you start to realize that, and I, I remember saying this a long time ago, jumping on a grenade is not, you just don't, it's not a mission-oriented thing. It's a love for the person around you. Yeah, and the fact that you're talking about these people now they is did. a great example. Yeah. There were servant leaders in the past. Yes, yes. You know, and they were adapting and, and all of that because when they were talking about love, if especially if that was 10 or 15 years ago, that was probably was a little bit taboo. Sorry. That was like E6. <laughs> so, you know, there, there are examples of servant leadership all the way back. It's just how it looked at the time. And that's, that also brings us back to the point that it has to be dynamic. You have to, just as if you were serving customers hamburgers, you have to constantly be evaluating what your customers want. And as a, as a servant leader, you have to constantly be asking yourself, what can I do to better serve my customers, which are the team that I lead? I, I, when you said it's crazy because I was just, just saying like, I couldn't remember back and I was from a different generation. Now you say that, no, I, I'm not you said, I just said that the two instances where it, it happened for me in my career, like I overlooked it. Like it's, it's easy to do. But I think this like spending time with yourself and actually uh, even writing it down. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, what are the times that maybe doing it? Like if, if you feel that you didn't have servant leadership growing up, maybe talk. And I'll say this to people that that are, you know, not as, as in touch with their feelings. As a, look back and say, what are the times I had conversations with my bosses where I felt it was too much emotion? Right, because that's what we tried to avoid. It right. was the emotional part of it yep. that I was like, "Oh, not yeah. ready for this." Yeah, weird. This is, this is weird. weird. Like, stop talking about this. Like, talking, having a sex talk with your parents. Like, like that's not talk about this stuff. Yeah. And um, so I would, because I think that's what it is. It's if I can look back and actually, as I do it now, I think about even more instances where it was a weird conversation, um, but I look back and it wasn't. It was just them showing, like. A servant leader. A servant leader is going to be kind of intrusive. Yeah, <laughs> like, you have to because yeah. you got to get up in there and see there, what's right? going and on. I always tell my. I would always tell my, the people that 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 I led it was like, when I stop talking to you, that's a problem, mm-hmm. right? If I'm talking to you every day and you mad about that, like that's not an issue. Like that's not an issue because I'm not telling you no bull crap and I'm not just shooting the shit with you. If when I stop talking, be very concerned. Right, because that means I don't think there's any value in the conversation. Same. Think about your teenagers. Yeah. Right. Teenagers get why are you all up in my business, Dad? Because I, I love you. Because <laughs> I love you. <laughs> if I didn't love you, I wouldn't say a damn thing to you. And and that that transcends the the house to to work. Mm-hmm. Why are you constantly talking to all the members in your team? Because I love you. But I don't think we do it like as we looked at the dad part, and this is the probably. Even though I, I see now those people that were in my life that affected that, what we don't do enough as as parents, and if I if I take that into a a, a, a culture sense in a, in a corporate scenario, we don't explain it, mm-hmm. like because like if I don't understand it, it seems weird, right? And they told me these things, but they never really they never came to me as like this is what it is. They just said you should do this. You might not have been mature enough to hear it either. Because they could have said it. Yeah, they, 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 they may have said it. How many times have you said, and back to the, the teenage mm-hmm. analogy, how many times have you said something to one of your teenagers and they just, they're, they're not 
Or, they're not or in a when place you where was they a can, teenager. Yeah, well, and that's really what I'm yeah, thinking of. When you was a teenager, and, and, and what your parents say, one day you'll understand. That's right. <laughs> and then now, you know, as a parent, you're like, oh, I get it now. Totally get it. I have those moments all the time. I'm like, damn, he was right. And man, we're having those right. moments as leaders constantly. When you look back and reflect on the story you just said, now you get it. Now you understand why it's important. And then as a servant leader, it's it's your job, it's your responsibility to turn around and continue to move that forward. And, and for those that fight this, uh, I would tell you if you if you look at every if you look at ninety percent of the, the the in history, some of the most influential leaders in the world, it was a, it was a level of connection and, and servant to society and the people that they were trying to affect. Mm-hmm. Right, they were giving Martin Luther King, the Gandhi, Mother Teresa, right? You know, um, all whoever it is, we can go into the Bible, we can go into corporate areas. Um, these people, these people care, yeah, and they they create. I mean, I always talk about Patagonia and Google and stuff like that. They they realize that if I if I if I connect with you, I can get so much more. Like we can be so much more. But if I'm if if what I'm doing is is sucking the life out of you, yeah, then you're not then you're not, <laughs> you're not showing you up. You can't be productive. Like, you might be a body in the seat, but you you've got it. no energy. And if you and a, a, as an organization or as somebody that is bringing in employees or or managing people, you're paying somebody to exist, and wouldn't you want to have that person giving you a hundred, hundred one percent? You know what I mean? Because you you stifle people when you show them that you don't care. You literally stifle them. Look at any relationship that you're ever in or just, just reflect on you. Don't look about nobody else and say, the moment you feel like somebody doesn't care about you, you're done. Yeah, you turn off. <laughs> people literally off. turn like, off. Yeah, it's like it's off. So to say, like we go back to, all the way back to what the guy was saying, um, you know, work family. I don't say work family. I say you need to revisit that, man. Yeah, me too. I've always said, you know, <laughs> building the family, it's just more comfortable. If you've got a, a family, then it feels more comfortable to have those conversations, to re, you know, to ask people how they're doing and, and all the same things that you would do with your with your normal family and, or with and, your blood family, I should say. I like saying that. I love saying, I always say we're a work family. I always say this is your family because, what do you do with your family? You take care of them, mm-hmm. right? When they need you, they're from them. You show up for them, even when you don't want to. You you know that it's 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 the word implies so much active positivity. Yeah, and also mm-hmm. you're there for the bad times. Mm-hmm. A lot of people want to be leaders when it's going great, but when it's going bad, they don't want you know. Oh, I won't talk about that, man. Not, not right now. That's a whole other podcast, but you know <laughs> for sure. So I think you know. For me, kind of like starting to wrap it up is servant leadership is is that customer care. And as a servant leader, you should constantly be asking yourself, what do my customers need? Yes. Um, it was it's like a book. Uh, I, I think I brought it up before. It's called The One Minute Manager. And it talks about um, when you empower the people that are you know, to the left and right of you at immediate, like it, it allows you to open up for your your sight to so many other things because you are taking what you thought you had to do and you're giving it to them and that that's important knowledge that's important that compassion and they 
they can give it tenfold to the other. You know, they you have two. Well, each one of your two has two, and each one of their two have two, and and it, it continues to build that tree. And you build an organization where it's on autopilot, and you like, and everybody's like, you go in there, you're like, damn, my job is, I love my job. It's so easy. And you're like, what? Not in my company, right? No, because they they stifle you because they don't believe in you. They don't help you out. They're not giving to you. Uh, they want you to, when you're trying to give to them, when you're trying to push mm-hmm. it back up, guess you what? That weight is heavy. Yeah. Well, and if you <laughs> that think, you know, heavy to bear. you want that organization that's on cruise control of caring. Everybody cares about everybody, and the organization is on cruise control. It's like that, what's that one game where you drop the, you drop the little. Plinko. The Plinko, and it yeah. just slides down, and that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen one of those Plinko games, that little boy go upward? Right. It's impossible. It's impossible, right? So we have a responsibility to drop it and can and, and let it spread amongst everybody else because that their job is not to push it back up to us, but it's our job to 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 divide it up into uh in in a way where it's valuable to them, that it can help them grow as individuals and create a better culture. And I think Plinko's a great example too, because no mm-hmm. matter what peg it touches, you care. I care, I care, I care, I care. That's mm-hmm. what it should be saying all the way down. Yep. That's an easy day, man. Well, that's another one in the can. It is. It, I think that was servant leadership is a hard subject for some people. And I was I say some people looking back at when I didn't understand it. Um, when I thought it was about me and it wasn't about people. But once you start to learn that you can't do things alone and that everything in this world is um it happens with someone else, like anytime you've grown, if you look at this, the most valuable scenarios, valuable moments in your life, you didn't accomplish them by yourself. And once you realize that, you can be, you can be way more effective, and your organization can be way more profitable. Actually, yeah. Take care of the people, and the people are going to take care of you. Always have a great day, guys and gals. Until the next time. Thanks for hanging out. 